Welcome into the His and Hers podcast. I'm Zach Bennett alongside my sister Paige. Today we have a fantastic episode for you covering the NBA Finals. We're going to give you our NBA Finals 2023 preview, the best storylines we feel coming out of it, including who we think will take home the championship. I don't think many people had the Denver Nuggets versus the Miami Heat. But I did see one person did, uh, works for ESPN, Izzy Gutierrez. He's a Miami fanboy. So shout out to him. Not that he needs it. We then will dive into some of the other NBA storylines and any random NFL news along the way. That's all here next, uh, here on the His and Hers podcast. All right, Paige, I had someone the other day tell me, why don't you guys cover baseball? Baseball is so much fun. So I decided what I'll do is periodically, because they play 9,000 games, <laughs> roughly, is just give you the standings update. Uh, the Rays lead the ALC East. The Twins lead the ALC Central. I don't know I'm saying A-L-E. It's just the A-L. So A-L East, the Rays are leading. Uh, the Twins are leading the AL Central. The Rangers are leading the AL West. Go Twins. The NL East is led by the Braves. NL Central is led by the Brewers. And NL West is led by the Dodgers. And that was Talking Baseball on the His and Hers podcast. In two weeks, I'm going to be at the Padres-Guardians game. So we'll do a full breakdown of that. I All I want you to do from that is rank the top three things you ate there. <laughs> that seems... You got it. That seems better. So baseball, uh, I just had this random question that baseball kind of popped up in my head. I was on Twitter and I saw this post from Mike Trout yesterday, obviously baseball playing a Memorial Day. So he had his USA uniform on and, you know, put a post like saying, thank you so much to all those who uh, who served our military, uh, who died for our country. Great post. But it sparked a random thought in my head, which was, do you think like professional athletes, NFL, N NBA, you know, whatever, do you think like they go to their, like the photo person and like, Hey, your best photos, like send them my way. I'd love to have them. Or do you think when they need to make a post about something, they just type in like Mike Trout USA, like for that post. And then they just pull it off Google images. Like, what do you think the process is there? No, I mean, all the, they all have a, social media managers at their companies, I mean, with their teams. So I'm sure that they have like, every time there's photos provided by them, if they don't have someone posting on their behalf, they probably just are able to pull from like that. Uh, so, so you don't think they just have like all these images saved on their phone of themselves? Oh, I'm sure that some of them do. Okay. Okay, kind of like a, a tangent. You, you know that you know that LeBron has a full. You know that he has one just called like the chosen one in his phone, and it's just photos of him. Oh, oh man, absolutely. He's an old man because there was like a, there's Instagram thing going viral the other day because he had like this uh, story he posted where it was like the old iPhone, and the name said money, and like in like uh, Comic Sans font, it was like "Be right back." Got to answer this. And it was like the most cheesy, like Facebook type of Farmville request I'd ever seen. So um, tangent off that question into another question. Is it a green, is it a red flag if someone has their lock screen as themselves? 
Yeah. Like if you're on a date. It was just a picture of them by themselves. Like do it could even do something cool. Like say he's, it's a picture of him finishing a, a full marathon and it's like his finish line photo. I mean, I don't know that one. It could be just representing accomplishment. So it might motivate him every time he looks at it. So maybe there's levels to it, but if it's just yeah, if it's just like a if it's just like a straight up selfie, like just like well, image not even like, like, like what a professional face. photo, like it's yeah, like a family like, photo, and it's just him. Yeah, probably I I wouldn't be into it. Seems weird. Not not it, huh? No, red flag. Here here's a red flag question. Uh, okay, you're on a date. The person pulls out an Android. Concerned. Um. Yeah, yeah. Got to keep yeah. the text blue. I mean, I know. See, the blue text thing gets me. But my only concern is like, whatever. If you've got an Android, but if he's like vehemently against iPhone, then I'm like red flag. If he's mm. one of those people that's like, oh yeah, no, iPhone sucks. Android is the best. Then I'm like, ew, no. Like, let's not do that. Can someone tell me? The only time, the only thing that someone with Android's ever said to me, I don't care what phone you have. Like, actually, I, I'm agree the same way. I like to give people crap, like at work, about having Android. They always jump to to one thing, and that's the camera. They always just jump right to the camera, and it's like, dog, I I don't care about the camera. Like, truthfully, like, I've had an iPhone for how many years, and it has taken fine pictures for me. Like the other day at work, someone, you know, this, there's a guy there, is Android savant and i was making fun because he got this lavender phone he had an iphone he switches lavender phone he's like no look at the camera and zooms in like on the windmills on idaho falls up on the on the bench i'm like that's great but i don't take photos like that so not useful for me <laughs> and you know not much to say there but look FaceTime is great. And if you if you have an Android, you make me download a third-party app to do a video thing with you, then you're just annoying, you know? Sorry. And I'm, I'm not going to video call you. Become the sheep. It's okay. Yes, just become come into the crowd. We keep each other safe. Okay, that was just kind of a, a random question. I just, like, I just envisioned, you know, like, how weird would it be able to, like, type in, uh, like, Jason Tatum, uh, black Celtics jersey. And it's just like all these images, like there's a would, photo of you. Yeah, yeah. And you just like, oh, that one, that one, I want to post that. That kind of goes with my Instagram caption. Like that's just different. It's just kind yeah. of weird. Little getty it's images. Interesting to me. I would be curious to know how many of them like actually run their own Instagrams and how many of them have someone else run them or Instagrams for them. Yeah, I think the NBA, I don't think any of them are big enough. I think they all think, run it. Yeah, I how think so they get the thoughties, you know? Yeah, I think an, another I think a good majority of them run it for themselves. Like LeBron definitely runs his because he puts just the weirdest stuff on there sometimes. Like no social media person's like, yeah, post that. Like you <laughs> yeah. don't even know the rap Everyone. lyrics in the song you're singing. Like you're going yabba dabba do. Like you don't know what. <laughs> so like that's not a good look. You'll be memed to death. So we know for sure that John Morant does not have anyone running his social media. <laughs> that's back to back episodes, back to back <laughs> John Morant jokes. Like. Hey, here's Big one for you. Up. You have them locked and loaded. <laughs> You're firing those off. There you go. 
Well, sweet. Uh, okay, those are just some random questions to start. We jump into the most important topic, which is should the Celtics extend Jalen Brown after his performance where he did not seem to be able to dribble with his left hand? <laughs> Thoughts? Uh, yes. I still think they extend Jalen Brown. I don't think he's the reason they lost yesterday, but it does potentially potentially they can just something in their contract like uh his um half of his it's not guaranteed until he learns how to like dribble with his left hand so the reason i asked because he made third team all nba or all pro whatever i think is all nba which then allows him to be eligible for the super max extension the max is fine the super max jumps it to an entirely different level 2024, he'd be hitting at a smooth $50 million guaranteed. Okay, that's that's fine. It escalates by $4 million per year, whereby 2028 and 2029, he'd be bringing home a cool $66 million. Get your money, Jalen Brown. You imagine for a second with me. Um, basically a million dollars every time you play because these guys are playing about 65 to 70 games like you know the guys that are those type of level literally breaks down to a million dollars a game like how many games did Jalen brown play this year he probably played more than most of the people i would imagine uh let me just try and figure that out but for 66 million by 2028 2029 are you doing that page yeah you are I like Jalen Brown. He's probably one of my favorite players. That's it. It's just because it's your favorite. You think that's a foundational piece? <laughs> that was that was. I, I enjoy watching him play. No, but this is my thing. Is I just think that I think Jalen Brown, like obviously, like the mistakes were made, and it's always easy in like Game Seven to kind of point out people who like a little bit flopped. But I mean, Jason Tatum didn't play good. We're gonna hear about his ankle for the rest of eternity in Game Seven. But it's like. He wasn't there. There were so many things going wrong that nobody could hit a three. Like it was abysmal for the Celtics, which we're going to say. But like, also, I think that we just saw the like Miami played how we expected Miami to play in game four, five, and six. And Miami just hadn't been in that game. Jimmy Butler wasn't there. Like Vincent went off last night. And so it was just kind of like the Eric Spolstra team that we expected to come out. I think that losing in the way that they did in game six and like that was that was one of the craziest games ever, especially that ending to have a missed three pointer and then white just able to bunk bank it back in like with literally one tenth of a second left. And so I think that it had just been like it like was the firing up that the heat needed to kind of like really, really take control of game seven. Yeah, I I don't disagree with you. I just view it. I just think it's all for the plot because uh, last year when the Heat lost Game Seven, they had that clip ready to go of Jimmy Butler being like, "Next year we're going to be back here." <laughs> NBA so, scripted. It's all for the plot. Well, I'll tell you what. It, it made me laugh if people are still going to die on that hill of NBA scripted when there's an opportunity for the NBA to have the Celtics Lakers battle it out for ring 18 lebron number five and they settled on nuggets nuggets heat (laughs) if anything i think that proves you know or maybe everyone's like well that's just trying to throw people off the scent so 
I don't disagree. So he played 67 games for those keeping track. So it li- literally would break down. Last year he played 66. So you're talking about a million dollars per game. The only issue I have is with the new CBA that goes into effect next year. Essentially, what it's going to turn the NBA into with these max and super max extensions, it's going to squeeze out the middle class and you're going to have the your two guys that are making $100 million or more of your entire salary cap. I think next year the salary cap's like 150, give or take. And there's a couple aprons that at for luxury tax, like at 155 and 174. Once that second apron, so it gets added on, not to get too confusing, but once you dive in past 174, it excludes you from being able to do a few things that are that are super common in the NBA. One of them is being able to buy out buyout players. So people that don't get traded, that they reach an agreement on a contract. Um, like when Russell Westbrook was traded to the Jazz uh, and they reached out a buyout, so he didn't play for the Jazz and was an, a free agent. The Clippers is a good example. They were over the, the cap, uh, the luxury tax. And so in this, if this would have been enacted this year, then they wouldn't have been able to sign Russell Westbrook. And not that they really did anything this year, but he was the main reason they were competitive in that first series. And there was a, a dozens of examples. There was like Golden State, you know, with the mid-level exception. They're over the cap. They're not, they wouldn't be able to add like DiVincenzo or the Bucks wouldn't have been able to add Joe Ingles or Jay Crowder. You also aren't able to, if you're over that, trade out picks that are seven years down the road. And so the Suns wouldn't have been able to make the trade for Kevin Durant. So there's a few different of these situations where where I get back to my main point is Jason Tatum is worth that money. He's played a big enough games. He's made, you know, made those kind of moments matter like game 7 against the Philadelphia 76ers. Jalen Brown hasn't shown any of that. And so to commit that okay, for the next 6 years it's Jason Tatum, it's Jalen Brown. And we're just going to see what we can fill in between, you know, the next 40 million, see if we can fill out a roster. I just think you're going to have a really hard time. And I don't think that's a winning combination. But I don't know. I think that's interesting. Because like. Okay, let's I'm going to read you some stats here from the last game. Okay. so for the for the heat series. Jason Tatum averages 25 points, 10 rebounds, five assists, and a 47% field goal percentage. Okay. Mm-hmm. Jalen Brown averages 19.6 six rebounds, three assists, and a 42% field goal percentage. So, I mean, obviously, Jason Tatum is your number one, but I think Jalen Brown, that's stellar numbers for a number two like stellar numbers for a number two to be like, cause then if you're saying that like NBA teams on average score at least a hundred points a game, like 26 and 19, that's basically half your points every single game coming from two players. And mm-hmm. so I think, I think that's, just, I just think that Jalen Brown is a good enough number two that you would want to keep him there to support Jason Tatum. Because the thing is, is that Jason Tatum doesn't get the same points, the same rebounds, the same assists without Jalen Brown. Yeah. Yeah, I don't disagree. I just think the NBA moving into like this Hollywood type of setup where you got two stars. They are, you know, the whole reason. And maybe that's where the NBA wants to go. I think all of these owners and all of these players are petrified 
of how the Warriors were able to add Kevin Durant and how the Warriors were able just to outspend everybody last year to add all those pieces that put them over the top and won them another championship. I just think it's hilarious that the last couple of CBAs, all that they really have been for to prevent a Golden State type of run. Like in yeah. all actuality, if you look at it, all of these rules, like the buyout players, uh, not being able to trade picks, uh, you know, th- those type of situations was all because of the crap that happened uh, with Golden State and adding Kevin Durant and then spending well over into the luxury tax last year. So what I think you'll see less of, you know, I still, the guys are going to get paid that are going to get paid, right? Like, you know, say like if Wemby becomes the dude, he'll, he'll get at that point, probably gonna be like 70, $80 million. I have no idea. It's just going up and up every single year. The, what is going to squeeze out is the dudes that are a one-year deal for like $9 million. Like the proven guys that are B level, maybe C plus level, but good role players, veteran guys in like year 11 that just want some quick money, you know, that quick contract to pay them out. You're going to see a lot less of that. It's going to be one year, like 3 million as opposed because that's all they can afford. I just think. And what's interesting too, because it kind of shows like the discrepancy overall, because I mean, the problem is, is that the, the ones that you want to pay that earn to pay the most money, they're also the ones who majority of their, the biggest large, 80% 80% of their income is coming from their sponsorships. It's not even coming from their contract with the NBA. And so right. then you have, so then all the players who are making it so that the cap space is so tight are also the, their main source of income is outside of what they're doing in the NBA. And so then it's just wild. Cause you'll see these insane pay discrepancies where it's like, you have these like number three, four five guys who are integral to the success of the team that are making $90 million less than the, than like the star on the team. Isn't that like kind of a wild conundrum of like the differences in a locker room of like the guy. And I always think about it in football too, because it's even like on to a higher extent because like your quarterback, say for example, like a Lamar Jackson making the 50 million or whatever the, the, you know, the average, I haven't looked at it. And then you got your practice squad guy catching balls from him. That's making 75,000. No, they're, they're always in six figures. And that's what's so funny to me is like they're making like good money, but comparatively, it's like I'm I'm poor. I'm like yeah. I'm a very poor man. You know, <laughs> it's just I think I, it always fascinates me about the differences and, and how that all kind of comes together in the locker room. Not that yeah. we need to go off that tangent, but okay, we talked enough about the Celtics. I'm in the opinion that they kind of need to restructure. Uh, I think they need to trade Jalen Brown. Uh, the best thing that, sh- that what what they're going to regret forever. In my opinion, not that KD did anything for the Suns, but there was an opportunity for them to trade Jalen Brown for Kevin Durant. And for whatever he's going to be in the next few years, what he did in that Nuggets series, if you had him on this Celtics team, you that would have been good enough to make the finals. I don't know if it wins you the championship against this Nuggets team, but if, they, if you drop Kevin Durant in this Heat Celtics series, they win. They win. I know that for a fact. All right. So we have the Nuggets uh, and we have the Heat. There's an interesting stat that I was able to come across. So the Nuggets, their seed that they've played, they played the number eight Timberwolves. Uh, They then played the number four Suns. They then played the number seven Lakers. And now they're playing the number eight Heat. So the total amount, like if you add their seeds together, is 27. 
The previous high of all time was in 1999 when the Spurs uh, played the other eight seed that made the finals. It didn't have the other team listed. What I think people are going to do is discredit, you know, you how many times you hear about the bubble championship for the Lakers and LeBron with the bubble ring, Mickey Mouse championship. I don't want that to happen because this Nuggets team is really, really good. What do you think, Paige? I one sec. I'm still just ruminating on a comment you just made about Kevin Durant because oh oh, oh ruminating. Well, this Word is just of the my day. <laughs> this is just my thing. Is that is Kevin Durant one of the greatest players? Yes, but also Kevin Durant has only been to the finals four times, three of which were with the Golden State Warriors, and it's because of <laughs> Steph Curry that he's there. So it's like we keep saying that like if Kevin Durant gets put in this situation or this situation or this situation, oh, then he like that team would have won. But like, would they? Because it Kevin Durant has not proven that he's able to take a team to that next level. Like Steph Curry is what got him there. Are you telling me that if you take Jalen Brown out and put Kevin Durant in this series? I don't know. I just don't know. Kevin Durant seems to have an issue being able to gel easily with like team members when he's brought into a new organization. And so that's just where I'm like, does he, does he have an issue there? Like, I don't know if him and Jason Tatum play well together. Yeah. I just look at these stats. He 22 points, 16 points, 12 points, 17 points. 19 points, eight for 23. There was a 10 for 21. There's a seven for 23. There's a one for nine from three. Oh, for seven from three. KD ain't doing that to you. Now, I, I don't think they win this. I don't think they win the championship, but I just think in this exact series, I just, I just don't see how they don't, you know, get over the top with that move. Mm-hmm. Agree to disagree. Agree to disagree. <laughs> okay. Well, we're, sorry. We were on to what were you talking about? How good are the Nuggets? No. <laughs> They are good. They are very good. But also, we Was just love the sweep of all time. I mean, the Nuggets. But, yes. But but the late game execution of the Nuggets, just phenomenal. Like, yeah. Jokic is just a calm, even kill demeanor for that team. That the thing that they do best is that they will always get a good look. They will always get a good look, whether Jokic, whether Murray whether Michael Porter Jr., KCP, uh, you know, Bruce Brown, they're going to get a good look. I just think that is such like a different level and it's impossible to guard them. They're just impressive. Yeah, I think that it just goes back to like the whole point of um, Nikola Jokic just being one of the most unselfish players on the court because um, it's just crazy to see how he will, he'll give up any like, He'll give up anything to make sure that they get like the best situation for his like his teammates and for the team holistically. And so like instead of taking the shots or controlling the ball as much as you think he would and his ability to pass is just like insane. I mean, even in that series, like 28 points on average, he's at he averaged 15 rebounds, which is wild. Mm-hmm. Um, 21 in that first game, which was what won them the game like Nikola Jokic having not rebounded under the rim as much as he was like the Lakers would have pulled up that winning game one but that was the biggest thing with Jokic is that I mean he did in the Sun series and he did it in the Lakers series where it's like his ability to pass and move the ball and just make it makes the Denver Nuggets offense just so insanely good and it gives 
it transfers that confidence. Like Jokic being the best player on the team and having confidence in every single one of the, his teammates and always willing to give up the pass to them to allow them to take the shot is what instills this like undeniable confidence in all of those team members when they're down the stretch in the final minutes of games against some of the biggest names in basketball. And it's just so cool to see that like that, that type of leadership has such an impact um, on a game, but specifically at the end of the game, when it comes down in it, the game is tight and you have opportunities. It just makes it so that everyone is like in the right mindset and like focused on the same goal. So that they're able to capitalize in those last five minutes of every game. And that's where that is where the, obviously that's where the nuggets won. Cause it comes down to those minutes, but that was one of the most competitive series. Every single game you thought the Lakers were going to do it. And yet the nuggets would figure out a way every single game to come back, no matter how much they'd been down, no matter if they'd been leading and they'd climbed back in, like they just could get the momentum back all of the time and it's because they communicate so well yeah i think that's exactly right it's kind of just a unified symbiotic relationship that that team has and like you mentioned it really just go back it's amazing i think basketball more than any other sport takes form of the best player whatever the best player is doing and however the best player plays that's how the rest of the team is going to function, right? You can always tell, like, it, I don't want to talk about LeBron but too much, but, like, when LeBron is locked in playing defense, he's always on a top-five defensive team. And in this year, it was because Anthony Davis, their best defender, takes that seriously, raises the floor and the ceiling of what they're able to achieve. Nicole Jokic, just the same exact way. Because he plays unselfishly, because he's always looking to pass, you watch that Nuggets team, and sometimes you're like, they probably made too many passes. like. The, the one of the guys was looking at other than Michael Porter Jr. Because I do loves to shoot the rock. Uh, they always are always looking like, okay, I have a good shot, but if I kick it one more, swing it one more, it'll be a better shot. And most of the time, it is correct. And it's really fun to watch in that pick and roll action that Jokic and Murray have is special. Uh, they know how to play off each other. They know what the reaction and how the defense is playing, where Jokic is going to be. And it just is kind of a tandem that's going to be really tough to stop. The biggest issue that I see for the Heat, before we get into our draft of our favorite storylines, the biggest issue I see is that the Heat are really small. They're really, really small. And the Nuggets are not. They're, their best player is a seven-foot center. Aaron Gordon is a big physical power forward. And even Michael Porter Jr., who's a small forward, is, almost, is like 6'10". Like, he's big. So their size is going to be a big problem for the Heat who who run out of lineup that Bam Adebayo is the biggest guy. And outside of that, it's pretty small across the board. You'll get some Kevin Love minutes because he, he won't have such a hard time staying in front of Jokic, although he won't be able to guard him, but he'll be able to move a little bit better laterally uh, than he would against other people. But that's probably the biggest issue I see is the rebounding that the nug the rebounding advantage the Nuggets are going to have over the Heat? Yeah, I think uh, I think it's going to be a really interesting matchup because I mean I think that you see the Nuggets put I don't like probably Gordon on Jimmy Butler. Like I think that's probably who they would have guard um, Jimmy B. So I'm really interested to see that matchup because. I think in some ways it favors Gordon, like Jimmy B is not like a really big three point shooter. And so Gordon doesn't have to like overextend himself of like trying to prevent the three, but 
I don't know. I think it's going to be really interesting to see if um, with how well, how good of a ball handler Jimmy Butler is, if he's able to like wear Gordon down um, throughout each game. So it's like, if they do have that matchup going on, it's like if Jimmy Butler can like get Gordon in foul trouble, tired so that he can really capitalize on the third and fourth quarter. I'm really curious to see that matchup because I don't know how well anybody else on that team could take on the Butler guarding and not allow Butler to go off. And that'll be, that'll be a tough, it's going to be so much fun to watch. So I guess let's just dive into it. We, we are going to do our draft of our favorite three storylines, each of these NBA playoffs. Do you want to start? Or do you want me to? You go first. Okay. My number one pick of my favorite storyline coming from the NBA finals is that if the Nuggets win and take home the championship, which teaser, I think they're going to, I think Nicole Jokic is the undisputed best player in the NBA. Two-time MVP, finished second this year in MVP voting, could have very easily won, and is on a path these playoffs have one of the best postseason runs, particularly of a big man of all time. Uh, so I think it will become undisputed. There won't be much able to be argued about. And I think you'll see a setup for the Nuggets to have a big run of kind of a dynamic, kind of setting up maybe a dynasty here in the next few years because everybody on that team's young. There's not one guy. They're like, oh, this is kind of the last two raw form. I mean, I think about it. KCP's probably the oldest dude, and he's still got probably five, six years where he can sustain the type of plays happen. So, yeah, uh, Nicole Jokic becomes the undisputed best player if the Nuggets win the NBA championship. Paige, what will be your first one? Uh, mine is kind of a little bit in contradiction to yours, um, but in a good way. So, Jamal Murray. Uh, obviously, Jokic gets a lot of hoopla because he's Jokic. He has a reason to go. <laughs> Lots of. <laughs> uh, Ruminating uh, hoopla, holistic. <laughs> Listen, there's there's a lot of spotlight Different. on Jokic for good reason. But I think that Jamal Murray, in a lot of ways to me, was the better player in the, in the Lakers series. And I think he has the opportunity to become the best player in not the like, obviously not the best player overall, but I think that he could see him stand out and potentially even if he doesn't earn the MVP of the finals award, because it kind of just automatically goes to the number one player on their team. I think that Jamal Murray could definitely be in those conversations. Like he's averaging like 27 points per game this postseason. He came off an incredible West finals where he was pivotal in those games. He got hot at the exact moments that he needed to get hot and could not stop making threes and everything like that. And so I just kind of see that. I think this is a really big moment for Murray. It's kind of already accepted in the league that Nikola Jokic is one of the best players, if not the best player in the league right now. But Murray is one of those guys where it's like, I think that people assume like they kind of just like lump him in with his good because he has Jokic on his team. But I think this is an opportunity where you're going to see Jamal Murray really take control of these finals and get his name thrown in there of one of the current best players in the league right now and be able to kind of set up a name for himself so that he becomes one of the league superstars. I love it. Can't disagree. I love Jamal Murray. Bubble Murray was revolutionary. There's his ACL and is able to fight back. And I mean, ball out. 
these playoffs. Uh, okay. My second one, and it's kind of what we touched on last week, but if the Miami, the Miami Heat winning the NBA Finals will be the worst thing for the NBA to have happen. It is the outcome that Adam Silver absolutely does not want. An eight seed. All the undrafteds. <laughs> all the undrafted. I mean, it throws out so much. And to kind of touch on what you said, how the best player just kind of wins a lot of those reward awards just because they feel like they need to reward them. You can't tell me Caleb Martin wasn't the MVP of the Eastern Conference Finals. Jimmy yeah, Butler's was. their MVP. That's not a that's not a debate. But Caleb Martin was the reason they won that, especially game seven. He was yeah, unreal. That was wild. That was, I mean, that dude talking trash. That dude was that dude was cut by the Hornets. The Hornets are terrible, and he got cut by them. And check this out. It was because of his relationship with Jay Cole, a rapper, that he was able to get uh, kind of got a little bit bigger look with the Heat, and now takes him to the finals. I don't know if I got got by Twitter because I read that on Twitter, but that would be really <laughs> cool if it's true. So I'm just going to believe that. Uh, Go Jay Cole. Wait a stick Jay up for the little Cole. man. Helping the heat culture. But yes, I think if you NBA, you look at it and you got your one seed, you got your eight seed, you got, you know, a regular season award, two-time winner, MVP, and Nicole Jokic. You got a team that was injured, rested, you know, up and down all regular season barely made it i mean you could look at it like oh they they won the play in but they barely made it and they knocked out the one seed the two seed and if they beat a one seed it's just like what is it what is the what is the play, what does the uh, regular season even mean at that point and i think the nba does not want it not that i agree with it cuz i don't think it can be replicated it's not something that i think an eight seed will ever do again or at least you know what was it 1999 the last time it happened so you're talking 1987 was the last time it happened a number seven seed one yep so they won the finals Seattle supersonics but the eight seed went to the finals in 1999 um, oh yeah, yeah 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 so you're talking once out of every 24 years it pops up but I just think back then in eight, 1987 no one was ever you know was talking about this resting everyone was playing all the time that's not the case right now so I think that the NBA does not want that to happen, and they're cheering for the Nuggets. Okay, okay. Reverse side of that, a little upside for the Heat. If they, if the Heat win, it mm -hmm. might be bad for the NBA. But does this not make Eric Spolstra the best coach in the NBA if he's able to lead the this Miami Heat team to an NBA championship? Yeah, I'd agree. Like. I just think that there's no way that you argue Eric Spolstra's ability as a coach to take not only when he has LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh and win championships, but then to take a Jimmy Butler and then 19 undrafted guys and go and beat not all. And it's not, it's like their road to this finals has been insane. Like they had to knock off the Bucks, they have to knock off the Celtics. Like these are teams that are like, championship built teams and so it's just wild to me so i'm like eric spolstra is the best coach in the nba right now if he's able to get these heat over top of nikola Jokic and jamal murray like that is a truly impressive feat oh it'd be it would be unreal the nuggets are the biggest favorites in the last 20 years outside of the warriors 
in 2018 when they swept the the Cleveland Cavalier, Cavaliers when LeBron just drug a bunch of dudes to the NBA mm-hmm. Finals. So, yeah, it would be it would be unreal. Uh, that is a good point. I, I do agree with you. I think he is regardless that he wins, but I do think you're right. I think it makes it crystal clear where he is in in regards to the coaching uh, hierarchy. I had a few for this last one. Um, me, let me just read up and down. Hmm. Let me think. Okay. So following our conversation about what the Nuggets or what the CBA newly acquired kind of, you know, puts into play here. I think if the Nuggets win the championship this year, I think they win it again next year. I think they re-up twice, which at that point, I think then they have to they kind of have to trade some of those because they have a lot of young guys. Like they probably have to move to Michael Porter, get some young picks in. But my biggest storyline here is just saying if they win the championship this year, I think it sets up a back-to-back situation where then they go into next postseason, utmost confidence, utmost swagger, championship DNA, and they roll through the West again. And if they win one, they win two. I'm just that's what I think. Not hard to imagine kind of setting them up. You see you feel like a little like a little warriors, little heat situation going on. Yeah. If they lose, it just it's I feel like a team that always loses. It's just I mean, you look at the previous, you know, the Bucks Suns, the Suns, they just, you know, they haven't been able to kind of piece it back together since then. And then last year with the Warriors, they win the champ, I guess, or the Celtics, they lost it and they lose in these conference finals. Like it's hard to make those runs. Things have to line up for you. Help has to line up for you, obviously. But I just feel like it's even heavier for the people that lose it. Yeah. Cause when you win, it's like the momentum's on your side. You have more funding. It's like more ability to keep people there. And then. And more Otherwise, people buy into you, their roles. Exactly. Because you know? it's like when you lose, like you have to consider like, oh, like who do we need to let go? Who do we need to leave? And the thing with NBA teams is like every single person that you like all of those key, like little key players that you think are easy to just kind of let go with and plug and play. Like, I mean, you saw this with the Lakers the entire season last year of like they could not figure it out until like right before the like but the draft was over. Like it's like finally in like end of like beginning of March, they figured out, Oh, like this is actually a working roster that we can actually like play well with. And so it's like, so it's so difficult to find that chemistry. Um, I feel like in the NBA to carry it over. And so if you're a team like the nuggets, if you do win and you're able to keep as many key players as you can, it's like, if you can keep the same players over like year after year, it's just going to have a better impact for you um, when it comes to conference championship runs. But, Absolutely. What is your last one? Last one. Okay. If the Heat win, I think that regardless, I think you're going to see a lot of changes on their roster at the end of the year. So it's like the Heat are going to win this like championship. And I think it's going to give some motivation to getting Jimmy Butler some much needed uh, bigger name key players to come and support him, especially from the big side. So 
uh, I just think you see like that's kind of opening up. It makes it makes Miami a lot more attractive place for people to want to come. I mean, I think that Miami's been attractive for the last little bit, especially with a coach like Spolstra. But I think that winning a championship with a team of like what everyone is saying, like ragtag individuals, um, you're going to be able to see a lot of opportunity for a lot of different key players in the NBA wanting to go to Miami to like fit a like get in on the Butler Spolstra train and capitalize on that. And I think that you could see the benefits of that come where the heat become one of those situations that you just mentioned with the nuggets. It's like, if the heat come out on top of this and they're able to grab some bigger names, then you're going to see a really fun heat team. I mean, the heat been competitive. They've been in the playoffs the past few years. They obviously were uh, in the finals in the bubble. And so I think that they, they have the, they have the manpower there. If they can get over this hill of like actually winning a championship, then I think some exciting things are going to happen down in Florida. Yeah. Yeah, I think those are I think those are all really good. I like I like all of them. So thank you for your support. Finals tomorrow. What is finals your prediction? Tomorrow. I think you're gonna see uh, Nuggets come out with game one. What is your prediction for the series? Series? Uh, I really, I really, really deeply wanted to go to Miami. I want Jimmy Butler to get his ring, but I think you're going to see a four, two win with the nuggets. Sad, uh, not sadly. I want the nuggets to win and I feel the same. I think it'll be nuggets four, two. And that's just because I respect the heat. I really think it's going to be four, one. I think it's going to go two Oh, the heat will win game three. The Nuggets win game four and five. I'm just gonna say that Nuggets in five. I'll give I'll give the Heat one game. So real quickly before I let you go, I wanted you to power rank these three hires made in the NBA so far. The Philadelphia 76ers hired Raptors coach Nick Nurse. Houston Rockets hired former Celtics coach Ime Udoka, and the Milwaukee Bucks hired Raptors assistants coach Adrian Griffin. Uh, to make him the next head coach on May 27th. So those three, worst to wor- bet, worst to best, three through one. Worst, Nick Nurse. What? Then Adrian Griffin. Then Ima Udoka. Actually, not a bad list. I don't think uh, Nick Nurse, and I don't really think him and Joel Embiid will. I keep seeing these memes of like a guy barely making it up the court. And it's like Joel Embiid after Nick Nurse plays in 46 minutes in February 23rd or something like that. Hilarious. Hilarious. Um, I'd probably put Adrian. Maybe I'm just dumb for doing the name thing because like last year when the Jazz hired Will Hardy, I'm like, I don't know who that is. But turns out he's a pretty dang good coach. So, yeah, I just ranked them according to hotness. Is that what you just did here? Yep. Did you put email? Did you put Amy email number one? Yep. See Adrian Griffin. Huh? All right. Yeah, he's probably better than Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse looks like that, like your friend's dad. You know, like not like your friend's no. dad. No, Nick Nurse looks like a therapist <laughs> that has like a cat and a knitting hobby. <laughs> That's very specific. <laughs> that's that's the vibe I get. 
I got more like school principal vibe. Yeah, I could see a school principal. Like a high school principal. Yeah, he once taught science. <laughs> you get a lot of nerdy vibe from this guy, huh? <laughs> Different. One's man nerdy is another man's not nerdy. Eloquent. <laughs> Alrighty, that'll wrap up this episode of His and Hers Podcast. I'm Zach Bennett alongside my sister Paige. Thank you for tuning in. Until next week, have a good one. Bye-bye.